in the midst of new life. There are families in our midst that are facing death. There are three funerals this week coming up. Families out of this fellowship. Mike Martin's funeral tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Mount Vernon. Jack Brady, Wednesday at 2.30 at the funeral home at 1525 Alhambra Boulevard. Mrs. Robert Dyke's mother, Thursday at Mount Vernon. In the midst of life, we have to look at death. And how fitting on this Palm Sunday and with these families facing the parting of loved ones that we can talk about death, a religious experience. In the third message in this month-long series on the power of an endless life. In this passage of scripture in John 12, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That is an incredible verse. Then he follows that by saying to us, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I want you to think about those words of Jesus following the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And add to it these verses, 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. What a statement. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There would be many other places I could take you this morning in God's word to illustrate my message, but I cannot take the time. All of them say the same thing, in essence. Death is a religious experience. Could I illustrate that with a letter that just came to me this week from Bonnie Schaefer, who is a member of our fellowship. Having heard the message on the first Sunday of this month, she felt impressed to drop me this note dated March the 16th. My father's beautiful and awesome death I would like to share with you. On Sunday, February 5, 1978, he told me he had some pain. We had been praying he would be taken home of a heart attack rather than the cancer, for he had both. I had him admitted to American River Hospital. As I was answering questions for his record, I could hear him reciting the 23rd Psalm. He had loved the Lord and had served him all his life. About six o'clock in the evening, 
he had a massive heart attack. They put him in intensive care, hooked him to a heart monitor, and gave him oxygen. I skip some to this point. At one point, he looked up to his right with eyes so wide, we knew he saw someone. We asked him if it was Jesus. He nodded yes. And angels, yes. Then he pointed to the foot of the bed where he saw his mother, our mother, and others. The nurse noticed his heartbeat was normal again. They showed us the bleep pattern. Well, we thought he had been healed. But then in a little while, he was gone. The next day, I went to the mortuary to view Daddy's body. All I can say is he died with a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. I thank God for giving me such wonderful Christian parents. Now, friends, this is not out of a book, although I could have brought you some illustrations out of a book, but this is out of this congregation. Somebody telling us what I want to tell you in this sermon, death is a religious experience. For the believer, it is marvelous. I have been by their side many times to witness much of what Bonnie has explained about her father. Seeing heavenly beings, never with the consciousness of pain or separation, but with the consciousness of joy and with tremendous possibilities unfolding. In our worship time in our board staff retreat, yesterday morning, Pastor Quackenbush began to sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And then suddenly a phrase in that song that I have sung hundreds of times stood out. You remember it? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. There is today a definite attempt in society to evade the reality of death. Our terminology is changing until we speak of memorial services rather than funerals. In some cities, the body is buried before the funeral or cremated and the dust scattered, all because we do not want to face reality. But friends, hear me. Life is like a spaceship. Nobody gets off here alive unless Jesus comes in the rapture for us first. But God loved this spaceship called Earth, and he gave it new life. That's what all of this week is saying to us. 
The Bible makes it very plain that we can know what will become of us. If you don't know that, my heart reaches out to you today and my voice reaches your ears with God's word because he lives as the quartet sang. We will live also. I trust that people here today will know before they leave that they're on their way to heaven that death will be another religious experience but unlike any you have ever had before. And it will be filled with wonder and amazement. Have the assurance that Fanny Crosby wrote about and sang about. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now, first of all, there are two kinds of death. Let me speak to that for a moment. The Bible speaks of being gathered to one's people, of taking down the tent, of sleeping with the fathers, of departure, of dissolution of one's earthly house. The Bible speaks of rest. These are the Bible's descriptions of one event called dying. But the same word in the Bible is used to describe another death. And it refers always to one's spiritual condition. Ephesians 2.1 says it probably the best. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Two kinds of death. There's physical death and there's spiritual death. If you have not received Christ as Savior, and if you're not trusting him today as your Savior, there is spiritual death already in you. And Jesus wants to give you a resurrection. Then for those who experience physical death, he's already promised us a resurrection. And we'll be speaking to that in a few moments more clearly. Death is a state of sin. Death is a state of darkness in which all of us, alienated from God, miss out on the most wonderful things that God has ever intended for us to enjoy. Death, in this sense, represents God's judgment for our rebellion against him. Physical death is a part of that judgment. God condemned the first man for his disobedience with these words. You are dust and to dust you shall return. Jesus described his mission in this way. I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He made a great claim for himself related to death when he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's the wonder of the season of the year. Paul says that when this life of faith in Christ begins, we arise from the dead and become alive unto God. 
You perhaps will have very little to say about one death, but you have everything to say about the other death. Everyone determines his spiritual state by choice. A gentleman talked to me just the other day who is struggling with his faith. He has never received Christ personally. He wants to, but he says, I just don't know if I do, if I can make it. I said, listen to me. God has given you a wonderful gift. It's called will. He gave it to me. He gave it to you. I willed years ago that I was going to choose life. And I've never been sorry. God has given you a will, and you can say, I will receive you, Jesus Christ. I will live for you, Jesus Christ. I will spend eternity with you, Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And you can do it. I don't care who you are. Now, as there is two deaths, physical and spiritual, so death, secondly, is pictured as the valley of the shadow. Interesting description comes out of Psalm 23. Beyond the valley, that shadow that David spoke about is unending and unshadowed life with God. Why does he refer to it as the valley of the shadow? Because you never know what it's like till you get there. Really. You never know until you get there. You can witness people's passing. You can read about people's dying, but you never really know what's there. It's like a shadow until you're there yourself. And most of us say, boy, I wish I had a little more inkling beforehand. But it's not possible. Death is a tunnel, it seems, through which we pass to get into the light. I have used E. Stanley Jones' statement numbers of times, and I use it again this morning. I heard him say this. I didn't get it out of one of his great books. I heard him in a meeting I was attending say this, and it so grabbed my heart, I wrote it down so I'd never forget it. He said, death is the anesthetic God gives while he's changing bodies. Oh, I love that. You can go ahead and write it down. Say, you heard it from Pastor Cole. Give me credit for it. E. Stanley Jones has gone to heaven now. Death is the anesthetic God gives while he's changing bodies. It's that brief tunnel you go through, a shadow by which we meet God face to face. During the first stage, our bodies will return to dust in the grave, while our spirits, the non-material part of us, will go to heaven to be with God. Now, this is where people have a lot of misunderstanding. There is a first stage and a second stage. The second stage occurs at a future date when our spirits will be united again with our bodies. But the first stage is when the 
spirit leaves the body and goes to be with the Lord. Now, when I got up this morning and got into the shower, I was thinking about my sermon, and God gave me an illustration in the shower. I picked up the shampoo bottle, and I put some of that in my hand and put the shampoo bottle down, and it felt light, and I thought, oh, this thing's going to be empty pretty soon. And then it occurred to me that we use terminology that is often incorrect. So out of my office, I brought my odor can to illustrate my sermon. Now, if I were to hand this to you, or if we were to describe this, we would probably say, that is good sense, S-E-N-S-E, but it's good scent. We would say, this is, what do you call it, a deodorizer, I guess, right? No, it isn't. This is a can. No, you'd say, it's a deodorizer. No, what, in it, what is in it is a deodorizer. See, I can, that's the deodorizer. That's what's inside of this. But we've got two things here. We've got what's inside and we've got what holds it, right? That's what I saw in the shower this morning. I said, this is shampoo. No, it was a bottle. I'm emptying the shampoo into my hand, and I put it in my hair. And it goes down the drain. It returns to dust. You're this can, that person that I see. But when I talk about Charles or Mike or Joanne or Mary, I'm talking about what I don't see. I'm talking about what's inside. Because this can wouldn't be worth a hoot unless there was some of that really smells good stuff inside. What makes you what you are is what I don't see. Your spirit. And one day, your spirit is going to be all gone from your body, the can. That goes into the ground. The Spirit goes to be with God if you're a believer. It goes to hell if you're a non-believer. And one day, there will be a resurrection of the can to the deodorant inside. Now, I don't know how you get it back in, but God does. Hallelujah. God knows how to get it back in the can. Now, Charles, you can use that at Morgan Hill next Sunday in your Easter sermon. You go ahead. You've been struggling to get that sermon. There you got an illustration. How do you get it back in the can? I don't know. But the Bible says it will happen. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we 
who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the other cans to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. So what if there's a little shadow? It's the anesthetic God gives while he's changing our bodies. And what's the new body like? Whew! Goes through doors. Jesus' body after the resurrection went through doors. He was in one place one time, another place another time. Hallelujah. No rockets on his back projecting him. It was a spiritual body. And we will be able to do incredible things. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. The thing that puts the can in the ground. When you empty, it's no good. You throw it away. Waiting resurrection. Job chapter 19. I have written in the margin of my Bible, Mother's Funeral. I preached this at my mother's funeral. That's why I wrote it down there, so I wouldn't forget the text I used at my mother's funeral. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Now, is that nonsense? Does he contradict himself? After my skin is destroyed, this I know, in my flesh I shall see God? No, that's not nonsense. That's what this whole theme of an endless life is about. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but in sure and certain hope of the resurrection unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The earth and the sea will give up their dead. And we shall come before him with a body joined with our spirit to traverse the universe forever, serving God. Oh, I'm looking forward to the shadow so I can move into the sunlight. And finally, death is not a leap into the darkness. It is a celebration. Heart transplants excite many because it's a postponement of death. But I think heart transplants, to be honest with you, are somewhat futile. If you just want my diagnosis, I would just as soon die. Because when I die, I'll celebrate. Why put it off for a month, two months, two years? And you're never really you, it seems, at this point in medical science. You're never really you again anyway. So if the Lord can't give me a new heart, I don't want anybody else's. I don't know what's in that heart. It scares me. If mine is diseased and God isn't going to heal it, which I know he can do if he wants to, I'd just as soon move into my celebration. 
Let's not get so caught up with this postponement business. And I don't want to be mean at all. I, I want to be loving in what I say. But folk, we who know the facts don't find it any great prospect to delay what is inevitable. Let's go ahead and celebrate if it's time Scientific knowledge and technological breakthroughs have dulled our interest in heaven. I'm here to get your interest level up in what's ahead. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heaven is not only a longing for something better. It opens the greatest possibilities of our existence. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. That is a religious experience. In thy presence is a fullness of joy experience, the psalmist said. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What are some of those pleasures? Well, I've touched on one of them in a previous message, but I'll just mention it again. We're going to know each other in heaven. Remember again the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John with Jesus. Moses and Elijah came supernaturally, and they were not introduced. But Peter, James, and John knew Moses and Elijah. We will know one another in heaven. And David said of his son that had died, I shall go to him. I shall go to him. Did you get it? I shall go to him, but he will not come to me. Wonderfully exciting. Bonnie will see your father. Mother. Because they love the Lord. Heaven is a place of activity. We're not sitting around singing choruses all the time. Revelation 22 states that his servants serve him. And notice this service is day and night. Don't even need to sleep. Praise God. My wife said to me this morning, where do you get your energy? I'm so tired. Well, I do have quite a bit, but I'll tell you there are times I wish I had more, and I'll tell you when I'm going to have when I put this old can in the ground. <laughs> then I'm going to serve him day and night. Oh, that is terrific. The devil tries to keep us from serving him, but the Lord just kicks him in the seat of the pants and says, one day they're going to serve me day and night, old slewfoot. Ha, ha, ha. If a man dies in youth, his distinguished career is interrupted, it's no loss. In heaven we're freed from all of the present imperfections. From the fragmented intellectual knowledge, we're freed from all of that. And we are perfect and entire, lacking nothing to serve him day and night. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. Ah, what a celebration. And of course we know heaven is supremely beautiful. You can't paint a picture of it. Walls of precious stones, gates of pearl, streets of gold. 
Men here live for gold, kill for gold. There they walk on it. If they get smart and turn their life over to Jesus. I've got to stop. I have a little more to go. I'll give it to the second service. If you want to stay, feel free. This is why the preacher in Ecclesiastes shouts at Palm Sunday morning congregations. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth. Why? Because of all the wonder that is ahead for those who put their faith in him. Before the evil days come and the years draw nigh when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. There is a story that comes out of Germany after the 10th century. The family was called the Hohenstaufen family. Very rich. Very powerful. They had a house in Germany where they would put victims they wanted to get rid of in a nicely furnished and comfortable room. The person was very gratified when they walked into this beautifully furnished room. But in a few days, the victim would realize something was happening in that room, that the room had contracted, it had gotten smaller. Days passed and they recognized the walls were coming nearer together. And the fate of that person was suddenly realized. Suddenly they couldn't lie down. There was not enough room. The next day, standing straight erect, frantic, the victim would put his hands against the iron walls to hold them. But silently and relentlessly they closed upon the victim and crushed him to death. You say, that's gross. I say to you, it is the exact picture of the world and the man in the world who has no hope in Jesus Christ, who has no hope for the world to come. Silently and relentlessly, death's doors are closing on you, and there will be a day when they will crush you to death. Unless you give your life to Jesus and escape what this world does to us, taking the life of Jesus from us and putting us into eternal hell and into eternal damnation. Get out of your prison. The only hope of escape is Jesus. That's why we celebrate this week. The greatest event of history. He's alive. He came to redeem me. He came to redeem you. He rose from the dead triumphant. I shall as well. Hallelujah. It is a religious experience that 
we do not need to be in the dark about. Let us rejoice in Jesus today. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we celebrate this morning his life. We celebrate his victory over death. We celebrate triumphantly our future. Hallelujah. We have a future. We have a hope. The seed falls into the ground and it dies or else it abides alone. But if it dies, it springs forth at harvest time into a blessing. Move over this audience, Lord, with this great truth. Comfort those who have been looking at death as the end. May they now see it as the beginning. Touch those who have put off their salvation. May they not put it off another day. May they turn to Jesus this very hour and make their calling and their election sure. Before I say amen, finish my prayer. How many of you would like the prayers of the preacher today and other believers? You'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor Cole, I want to make sure. When I go, it's a celebration. It's not darkness. It's not the end. It's the beginning. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you lift up your hand wherever you sit? Let me see it now. I want to pray for you. Yes, right here in the middle section. Over to my left, thank you. God bless you there. Over on my right, I'm looking at this moment. Lift your hand, say, Pastor, I raise my hand. Yes, thank you on the right. I want to give my life to Jesus. How about up in the balcony? Yes, sir, up there. God bless you. Praise God for you. Anyone else? Lift it up. Let me see it. Then you can put it down again. Slip it up quickly. Yes, sir, back there, and another boy. God bless you, son. Jesus raised both hands on a cross for you that you might have life. Would it be a thing unheard of to raise one hand in a church service where people love you to say, Jesus, come into my life? Why not do it today? Let's pray together. Yes, sir, God bless you back there. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Others quickly. One last moment we have together. Yes, thank you, ma'am. God bless your heart. Praise the Lord. Would those of you who raised your hand just stand to your feet before the rest of the congregation stand? I want to pray especially for you. You're upon my heart. Just stand to your feet where you are. Don't be hesitant. I care about you and God loves you. Yes, they're standing. God bless you. Up and down. God bless you. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. And this is a wonderful opportunity to say, Jesus, come into my life. Now, will there be some concerned Christians who will look up? And if there are folks standing nearby, would you just stand with them? Put your arm around them and love them for me in this moment. Just put your hand around them. Now, everybody stand, would you please, in the congregation? Father, as we stand, we pray together. We conclude our prayer that we began a few moments ago. 
by asking you to come into these lives, people in the lower level and in the upper level of this sanctuary who have stood, who have raised their hand and have said, I want Jesus in my life. Lord, we've prayed before this service ever began that conviction would rest upon our hearts if we did not know you, if we were not ready to meet you. So come into these dear lives, these dear friends that are standing. May they know today that they're ready to meet the Lord because the blood cleanses and Christ forgives us of all sin. Whatever we've done in the past is forgotten by God. It's blotted out by the sacrifice of Jesus' blood. And how we rejoice in that, Lord. Hallelujah. And if we would be wiped out by some calamity this week, we would be with the Lord. The body would be destroyed. The can goes in the ground. But the spirit, the real person, rises to be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for meaning today, Lord, to existence. We're not on a train going nowhere. We are in a journey that will lead to somewhere beautiful and wonderful and into relationships like we've never known before. Thank you that the grain of wheat can die so that it will spring forth into life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We make this our prayer of thanksgiving in your holy name. Amen. Amen. How many of you in this audience can raise your hand and say, I'm ready to meet Jesus, Pastor Cole? Raise your hand. I'm ready to meet Jesus. What a testimony. What a testimony. Now, those of you who raised your hands... I have a tape and a booklet I'd like you to take home with you. Instead of going out the back door, come down to the front for just a few moments and speak to one of our staff persons. Get the material. Let them meet you. You'll be on our prayer list and get involved in what Jesus is doing. And if there are people in the service this morning who have not been baptized in water, you come over by the flag to my right and you will be able to pick up baptismal material for tonight's baptismal service. What an exciting thing every Sunday night to hear testimonies from people who have met Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. So you come and pick this material up from Vastine and Peggy Smith, who will be over here. The rest of you who stood for prayer, I want you to come get the material before you leave. What a wonderful Palm Sunday morning. There are Sunday school classes that meet after this is over. Two weeks from today, the new quarter begins. You'll see that insert in the bulletin today. Get into a Sunday school class, too, every week. You'll be blessed. And you'll grow. That's important. Tonight, I would like to see you back, all of you, as we celebrate. Our youth choir will be presenting a 30-minute musical. Come and encourage our youth. One way you can do that, just be here, and then we'll hear from Pastor Pace. God bless you. I love you. God loves you. We're on our way to somewhere marvelous. We have the power of an endless life in us. Let's enjoy it.
Let's celebrate. In fact, let's thank him right now, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. For the 